Hello, 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 hello. You are tuned in to this week's episode of The Local Lens, the podcast from the Powell County Health Department, where we go inside our community's experience with the drug epidemic. And this is going to be a pretty special and unique episode. Over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, we are going to be combing through our past episodes and pulling out a lot of the information that we have about peer support specialists. Now, when you're thinking about what actually helps people recover, then peer support specialists should be just about the first thing you think of. So some of the questions we're going to be answering today are, what is a peer support specialist? What are their job functions? And what is the point? We've made sort of a collage of all of our past interviews to make this episode, and it's going to show this cycle that happens with peer support specialists. Now, we're going to be hearing from a lot of different people on this episode over the course of it, starting with Bill Helton. We're going to go in and get into the episode here. This is The Local Lens. We are coming from Stanton, Kentucky, a small town nestled at the foothills of Appalachia. And I'm your host, Nate Brooks, and these are our people using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do. I've wanted to work in recovery. Uh, I knew that the more I, I found out that the more I'm around recovery and recovering addicts, the better I do. Like, I really thrive in treatment centers. Okay. Um, where there's discipline and accountability mm-hmm. and so forth and honesty and integrity is uh, emphasized on a daily basis. And I thought, if I could just create an environment that was somewhat like treatment, mm-hmm. uh, how, how, well, how far could I go with this and how long could I stay clean and sober? And uh, so I was applying for jobs at treatment centers and I found that they wanted certified peer support specialists, which is kind of a new position that's being created. Mm-hmm. Um, what a peer support specialist does is they use their lived experience to help guide others. Uh, for example, something I've been, there's basically nothing that a, a patient or a client can't share with me that I haven't been through. And okay. I can explain to them how I got through it. And I don't mean they have to take that route. But it, it just offers hope that if, yeah. if I did it, they can too. So, what is the general response to that? Like when people when people come through the door and they're meeting you for the first time, and you have that like you share what you've done to and like kind of how you how you got over some of those humps. What, yeah. what do, are people accepting? About it's you? very promising to people. Okay. Uh, uh, I try to get it out as as quickly as possible uh, to make them uh, feel more comfortable that look uh, it, like what you're going through right now you think that's bad um, I guarantee you I've been through worse than what you've been through I've been homeless I've been in jail I've had two state prison sentences for trafficking and controlled substance which I'm not proud of but it's part of my past um, it's like I, I try to paint the darkest picture of myself, and I don't have to try really hard to do that. I, I try to paint the darkest picture of myself I can to make their picture seem brighter. You're, you're not there to judge or give advice or to, uh, to criticize others. You're basically, uh, you're there for support is the yeah. bottom line. Yeah. Um, you're there to use your lived experience and what you've been through as a guiding light for, for them. Well, thank you, Bill. Here is Misty DeHart. I work at Markham Walls Hospital um, in Urban, and I am a peer support specialist, and that just means that 
Um, I provide hope and encouragement resources to people who are still suffering with addiction. You know, you could read all the textbooks and get all the education you wanted, but if you've never lived through it, you had no idea, you know, what I was mm-hmm. talking about or what I was going through, and it, it would make me mad if you said you did, because <laughs> you didn't. Um, and I think that that's the value of the peer, and I th- I'm glad that people have recognized that and started implementing them um, in treatment and recovery because it, it does give people hope, mm-hmm. you know. And now we're going to Jordan Schuler. I, w- I was I was on meth in high school, and I just thought I was cooler because I was hanging out with older kids, and and that's not how it is. I mean, now I got now I got these boys uh, that I was running with that was drugging that's getting charged with stuff now. They're all hitting me up saying, "Hey, can you help me?" And and you can't you can't fight addiction on your own. Yeah. You just can't. It's 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 about impossible to do. It's really about impossible. Now we're going to jump to James Oney. I've often wondered if I would I changed anything. Would yeah. you? Honestly, no, because it has led me to be the man I am today and to be in the position I'm in today to help countless other addicts. Uh, you know, I do work for Mountain Comprehensive Care. Uh, I'm their regional SUD peer support supervisor and outreach coordinator. Okay. That's a fancy title, yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, I'm just an addict in recovery trying to reach back and pull another addict out of the pits of hell. So this job is very practical, effective, and important. The opportunity came that, you know, I became one of the first addictions uh, peer support in the state of Kentucky. Okay. You know, yeah. I wasn't. And... I was able to actually kind of get that program started and implement that. And uh, so I've been, I come in on the ground level on peer support. Mm -hmm. And it was different. You know, nobody knew what to, what is peer support? Yeah. What, what is your job? What do you do? Are you here to take my job? No, I come in with this, with lots of years of experience on addiction and, and a, few years of recovery you know i know what it was like you know i can peer support is able to reach addicts on a different level you know because we've been there you know we've ate out of dumpsters you know we've begged for table scraps and laid in the drunk tank unfortunately you know right beside many of the people we end up trying to help later on in life and now we've got tabitha and tony barrett there is no replacement for lived experience uh, now, with our group, uh, you know, we have addicts at the home. I mean, who else better is going to understand an addict than an addict? I mean, if I come up to you and I'm talking to you about, let's say you have a drug problem, but you've also been, like, human trafficked or in prostitution, escorting, stuff like that, I can sit down with you and be like, hey, I've been through there, too. You know, mm-hmm. I've lived that life. How can I help you get out of it like I did? That shows them that they can connect to me. And talk to me and open up and be able to speak openly about it and not have to hide. And we can work on a way and a program to get them to that better life. Because somebody did that for me. And now we've got Will Arvin. Whenever I first came into treatment, I seen, you know, this big redneck, you know, talking about Jesus covered in prison tattoos. And then I knew if he could do it, you know, I could definitely do it. So uh, it's it's an instant um, 
knowing that they, even though we, you know, we couldn't really put on each other's shoes and walk in it, but they, they know that I've been where they've been from the vocabulary that I use, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, the street vocabulary and also being in prison, the vocabulary that you pick in there, the, so them instantly being able to open up. So Mm -hmm. the peer support specialist, me being able to be vulnerable and sharing some of my stories, uh, which now I've done it for, you know, so long that it doesn't, it doesn't really affect me to, I'm not shy about my story today. So mm-hmm. these guys that are just coming in, it really helps them to open up and be able to talk about stuff that they've been, you know, buried down deep forever. So I get to be that, uh, that instant shot of hope. So what you should have been able to put together by now is that this peer support specialist job is all about taking people's lived experience and making use of it and using that experience and the knowledge gained from that experience to help other people. And they help other people in a variety of specific ways. And we're going to be looking through a few of those specific ways, starting with Richard Penick. And so I work in the emergency department. Um, yeah. Anybody that emergency room? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for those of y'all. Uh, and uh, so my role is anybody that comes into the emergency department uh, that struggles with uh, addiction, uh, some mental health, um, I, I talk to them, listen. Uh, try to get to know them and uh, link them to services. One of the things I've been able to do at the hospital is talk about the fact that I was that person. Yeah. Overdosed. I was that person. Needle broke off. I was that person had everything, lost everything. You know, I was that person that people could have given up on me. Even once I started trying to get sober multiple times, I still caught three more felonies. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I mean, you know, I had, I, I, I went, I spent 20, in and out 29 months inpatient, almost 30 months inpatient in and out. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a lot of time. Yeah. 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 Cool. And, uh, you know, I would do, cause it's a, it was a process. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, and it was a process. So he knows from his own experience that this requires a lot of patience to be able to do this job especially at the hospital, which is where people go at their moments of crisis. Man, you know, so every person is different. I listen and really listen to where someone's at, and Mm -hmm. and I let the Spirit speak. I don't make it about me. I'm not trying to save anybody, rescue anybody. I don't – I'm just a plan. I'm just a a person that God is allowing to put put that person in my path for a moment, and I'm just trying to help them. And this idea of being on somebody's path – is an important part of the entire approach to recovery, especially with things like the syringe exchange program. So the syringe exchange, for those of you that might not know, is a program ran by the health department where we accept people's used syringes and replace them with clean ones. Now we're about to hear from Wendy Anderson and Jeremy Thompson on this. A syringe exchange program for me is... um, really just a connection point to meeting yeah. that um, that crowd and you know just offering them help really that that's what it is for me I mean I know that it cuts down diseases um, you know even as going as far as offering treatment for hepatitis C 
which I have had myself. When I first came into this field, I'm like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And then when I started seeing it and then I get with the health department and I'm seeing the, the benefits and I'm like, man, so we're cutting down on HIV. We're cutting down on hep C. Because cu- most of the people I, I hung around had hep C. They had H, you know, there was a bunch of my friends that I grew up and went to school with that were IV users that die or dead or are dying because of that, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, like it's harm reduction. So offering that treatment is a huge part of the program, but it's also just as much about being there for people. A lot of times, you know, they're desperate anyway. And so when there's someone there that's, that's just saying, Hey, how you doing? You know, some some of the participants haven't probably even been asked that in a mm-hmm. long time because no one cares how they're doing. Honestly, a lot of people don't have anyone. And so, um, yeah, I don't have to force them. I'm just, I'm just, you know, there saying, hey, you know, how you doing? Just start talking to them, conversation. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you know, they they tell you their problems and, I'm like, well, I can help you with this, or I can do this, or you can do this. I've been there. I did that. This is what I did. And, you know, I I was doing the exact same thing you're doing. And word on the street is this program is working. It's it's working very well. How do you know it's working? Well, because I'm sending people to treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you know, just told me you, like are, last week you sent four people. Yeah, that's yeah. how I know it's working. And they they call me. Mm. They call me after beyond the exchange. And, you know, I, I give them my card and I'm like, here, call me. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're in the trap house and you're done. You want help? Call me. I'll come get you. Yeah. So that's calling back to what Richard Penick was saying earlier about uh, being patient and just listening to people and finding out where they're at. Because... Really, somebody else's recovery can only start once they are ready for it. No matter how much training or how much knowledge that I have and how much I share my story and, you know, be there for them, encourage them, until they're ready to make that step on their own, there's just nothing that you can do. You just have to let them know that you're there whenever they're ready you know, you're gonna you're gonna be there to help them. Mm-hmm. They're just gonna take take the first steps on their own, though. And this was the voice of Krista Newton. So a lot of times, when people do not seem to be interested in changing their life on their own accord, the law will step in and say you're gonna change your life. People get arrested and then they are incarcerated. So now we're gonna hear from a group who does a lot of work with people who are in jail and coming out of jail. And this is gonna be Kaylee Hemminger, Cassandra Hensley, and Brittany Harrington. What were the most common uh, things you were hearing in these interviews with people? Overwhelmingly, they felt like they were sitting in the detention centers and that nothing was offered to them. And, And keep in mind, the majority of these interviews were pre-pandemic. So a few of them happened during um, the height of COVID, but the majority of them were conducted pre-pandemic. So we actually got to go in and sit across the table from these people and really have like one-on-one great conversations with them. And they just felt like they were 
were sitting there with no resources, especially county inmates, that state inmates were being offered like SAP programs, but that county inmates weren't being offered anything. Um, Heard a lot of women say that men were offered things that they weren't offered. Um, And then post-release, they were really concerned with uh, housing, employment. Um, A couple of people said that they wanted to go straight to treatment and they didn't know how to advocate for themselves in that respect either. Um, Just basically, they didn't even know where to start. And that is echoed by Will Arvin. It was like I was downloading all this information, didn't know how to apply it. That's fair. I had had no understanding of how to go from being caged up to throwing you out into the world and and being like, yeah, there you go, bud. Let's see what you can do with it. You know, we got you a tool belt full of tools. We're not going to show you how to use them, Mm -hmm. but uh, we're going to see we're going to see what you can do. So to help people get back into society after being incarcerated, they have hired and used peer support specialists. We decided to use um, peer supports um, as our advocates and um, to create wingmans for our people reentering society. Um, And the reason we did that is because I'm a person in recovery myself, and I know that distrust is huge in systems when you're navigating this process. I didn't have trust in jail staff. I didn't have trust in court systems. I didn't have trust in my local DMV. And that's not because they did anything to me personally. It's because, I mean, trust has never been built. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not relationships that you value and that you trust. During these meetings, during these really intimate discussion and the sharing of pain and struggle between the peer support and the inmate is trust is being built. Yeah. Trust in a system, you know, yeah. trust in many systems, and that's all bridged with that peer support. I have lived experience, and that's really all I can speak of, and then I've worked in this field for the last 10 years. Um, it's the bridge gap. I mean, it's the gap filler. It's it's the bridge. It is yeah. everything. You don't trust anyone, and to have someone say, I feel you. I didn't either. I get it. Someone who gives you permission to feel the way you feel. Someone who tells you that, you, gosh, so many stories of other women sharing theirs. I'm like, God, I thought I was a train wreck. You know, if you were that big of a mess and you got your life together, like, then I'm willing, I'm all in. Somebody you know? to be yeah. able to say, I have been right where you are right. and look how far that I've come. Right. My mm-hmm. life is totally different. Yeah. It, like, it, it restores that hope that like, yeah. oh, well, look what they've done with their life. And they were, you know, where I am now, like I can be there too. And so, I don't want to say that clinicians and case managers, therapists, <clears throat> social workers don't have valuable roles. Like they yeah. all play really valuable roles in in rebuilding a life. And and that's not what I'm trying to say at all. But in order to trust a social worker, in order to trust a case manager, there has to be trust built somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's where a peer support is critical in in building trust in a system that. I mean, sometimes it's burnt you. Sometimes you've had ill feelings for. Sometimes there's been law enforcement involvement or DCBS involvement, and you associate things. So, um, yeah. So very quickly, let's look at some of the specific hurdles that people have to hop. Can't get a job without an ID. Can't get an ID without a birth certificate. And it's just all these really complicated processes that they didn't know how to navigate. So this group, once again, is mainly focused on jail reentry. But there are organizations all around the state that are helping with these same general issues and hurdles, not necessarily related to jail reentry, though. Yeah, we can help them get everything straightened out. Uh, if you need, uh, you're trying to find a job, you can come in, you make an appointment. We'll sit down with you. We'll do. We'll help you uh, write a resume. 
and then we'll start going online and applying to job, help you apply for jobs. Now this is Tony Barrett once again. Now we're kind of, we're not going to do it for you. We're going to sit with you and we're going to walk you through it on exactly how to do it because a lot of people in recovery and a lot of people, especially new in recovery, we were drug addicts and we never lived adult lives. We didn't pay bills. We did you know, we never had responsibilities uh, and we don't understand how to do that. So what we do is we try to educate them as we go to where they can learn how to do their own Medicaid. They can learn how to basically not just Medicaid, but you know, life in general, how to mm-hmm. call places, how to get in touch with people, how to make things happen, mm-hmm. how to do resumes, how to apply for jobs so that when they walk out of here, they have, you know, a considerably larger uh, base of knowledge than when they, when they walked in. So strangely enough, employment is really one of the foundations of successful recovery because it helps people find a way to be self-sufficient. But maybe more important than just employment and giving yourself the chance to be responsible is putting yourself in a supportive environment. So now we're going to hear from Richard Penick again. And it is not just about removing the drugs and alcohol. It is about treating the whole person. Yes. And and it is about helping that, getting them through that beginning where that first month or so where they're just getting their legs underneath of them. Yeah. And then growing them and teaching them and helping them discover some things and work through some things. And then yeah. building a support system. And they need that. I had support all of my path along the way. Sometimes it was one person, but I had that one person Walk them with me and pull them for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I have rebuilt my life through the, with the help of other people. Yeah. And I wouldn't be here today if I was left to do this on my own. If it was as simple as me stopping doing drugs and, and getting my life together, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. I had people around me helping me and encouraging me and holding me accountable. But when you provide the wraparound and yeah. treat the whole person's life. Yeah. And then, it is an investment, and it does take a team. It is. Yeah. It takes a team. Uh, but the statistics show the success goes through the roof. Yeah. You know, of not going back to jail. Yeah. You know, as, as they get their life back, the, the, the chances of them re- relapsing, using, putting themselves in, in a high-risk situation, going to jail, all that decreases steadily. So if you remember back in the intro, I mentioned that there is a kind of cycle that happens with peer support specialists. We're finally getting to the end of that, right? So we've been hearing about these people that have lived experience and have been through the ringer. And now we're finding out that one of the most effective ways to keep people safe and healthy and in recovery is by giving them a job and specifically giving them a job that lets them help other people find recovery. Now, once those other people find recovery, they're going to be getting jobs that are helping other people find recovery. It's a cycle, and it grows this way. How long ago was it when you were in rehab here? Uh, I graduated here last December. Okay. And then started my peer support internship and then went to the training course and then graduated and they offered me the job. And that was a man named Jeff who, like he said, was fresh out of rehab when they started to hire him. And now we're going to hear from Brandon Hill who similarly got his job as a peer support right out of rehab. Before I came to treatment, I just thought I was a junkie that was going to die. 
uh, of drugs or end up in jail. You know, I can't say it enough. Th- those, I thought, were my two options. Um, I didn't think there was any possibility uh, to be where I am today. You know, I, I get my cup filled just as much as hopefully I'm filling somebody else's cup by, by doing what I can to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not necessarily even as, as a peer support specialist in a group setting, um, but just anybody that's out there struggling. It, it's hard to put in the words, you know, just how it makes you feel and what it does for you as a person mm-hmm. um, to see others succeed. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, a, <laughs> it's amazing uh, to see somebody come in at their worst. Um, like myself, ready to die, uh, to having a great opportunity, uh, getting restoration with family and children. And As you can tell, it is huge when people are on the receiving end of this. Now, here's Will Arvin. They give you a job, man. They give you a job. They give you employment. They give you family. They give you love. They give you every single opportunity to not just survive, but thrive. And, and literally using your testimony to help you to realize it, it it helped me to understand that there's opportunities mm-hmm. and there's hope and God's going to reveal your destiny to you like yeah. oh man it was overwhelming to understand that you know what I got purpose today mm-hmm. I got purpose today so yeah. what the enemy had meant for evil he turned it for better than good you know what? What used to be, oh, the the dark spot, the the untalked about in my life, um, has become one of my strengths because I'm able to articulate or to give my side of what something may look like to one of our clients. It's this mutually beneficial job that really is just paying people to care for each other. People in their cubby are always looking for somebody to reach back and pull back out. You know, that, that's just a part of being in recovery. And, and uh, you know, it's just something you have to do. You know, they always say in recovery, you can't keep it if you get, you know, you can't keep it unless you give it away. One I of getting into recovery, uh, there's no telling the circle of influence that that one person has, maybe 10, 20, you know, in a weekend that you get to brush shoulders with. So... What goes on after that, then people are going to go and they're going to have a circle of influence. That is just crazy. It's wild. The amount of lives that have already been touched and saved. And then the amount of lives that there still are out there that need to be saved. And I'm telling you all, this job works. It's effective. You should love peer support specialists. Now, thank you all very much for listening. This is all the time that we have available today. We really appreciate it. Now, we have a survey up that we are hoping to get as many people to take this survey as we can. So if you've been listening to our show, then please click on the link attached to this episode. Or if you are listening on the radio, then visit listenlikealocal.com. That is listenlikealocal.com. That is WSKV's website. And go take that survey for us. We're trying to see if any of the work we're doing with this show is effective, if it has helped people, and if we should recommend that other places try doing shows like this. That's enough on that, though. Let's get back to the peer support specialists. These are such special jobs, and we need to make sure that people are able to work in those jobs. So when you get the chance to support peer support specialists, please do.
This has been The Local Lens. These are our people using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do.